the A to Z of Disease Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the A to Z of Disease Podcast with me, Rose Mokonyo. Today we will be discussing a very important topic on antimicrobial resistance and with me to have this discussion is Dr. Bernard Wambulwa, an infectious disease pharmacist who will take us through this discussion and tell us what AMR is and how we are going to find a solution to this. Karibu sana, Dr. Thank you very much. Could you tell us what is antimicrobial resistance and why is it important? that we have this kind of discussion on AMR. Thank you very much. Uh, AMR is uh, when uh, the pathogens, bacteria, virus, uh, fungi, fail to respond to the normal uh, agents that uh, we normally use to treat or for prophylaxis. So when it happens, it means uh, the patient or the client will not get the response that is required when given this uh, antimicrobial agents. So this one happens under normal doses that we give either for treatment or prophylaxis. And it means that uh, the bacteria, the virus, or the fungi has changed uh, genetically into a format that can no longer respond to treatment. Now, which kind of drugs are these and uh, which one causes the most havoc? The most uh, important ones are antibiotics the one that uh, treats uh, bacterial infections. That is the current uh, focus. And mainly we have the penicillins, we have the macrolides, we have the cephalosporins. Those are the meant to treat uh, common infections, pneumonia, meningitis, urinary tract infections, skin and skin structure infections, and uh, blood uh, stream infections. So in, in layman's language, are you trying to tell us that when we use these antibiotics, they are going to give us a resistance? How will a general person understand that there is some kind of a resistance caused by these antibiotics? Thank you. I think that's a very important uh, question. What we are saying in a nutshell is that in a proportion of people that you treat, let's say 10, probably two, uh, two people, that is 20%, may not respond to treatment. We are not saying in a blanket that all of them will not respond. The, 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 the 20% that may not respond is because they, they are carrying bacteria or pathogens that have uh, undergone some modification to be able uh, not to respond to the normal doses of the drugs that have been subjected to. So it is not a blanket that all of us are going to not respond. And that's why we need to take action because as much as it's a small proportion, eventually with the time, uh, these uh, circulating pathogens will increase in population and uh, affect the majority of us. And uh, so when this happens, now that one is not able to respond well to medication and to other antibiotics, what happens or what solutions are they given at the hospital? Thank you. So at the hospital, we do testing, what we call culture and sensitivity testing, and if we find that the uh, bacteria or the isolate that we've gotten has shown resistance, then uh, we select the next uh, antibiotic, what we call the second lines or the third lines. Now, we don't like using some of these second line and third lines. One, they are very toxic to the patient. Two, they may have to be given for a longer period through injections. And then they're expensive. 
So chances are that the patient may not get the medication because they are expensive or because of the side effects the patient will not tolerate. So eventually it is going to affect treatment. Number two, uh, they may require that they are be administered for a longer period. So that one re-increases the length of hospital stay and it also increases the cost of hospitalization. That's why we are saying that we need to use the first line antibiotics with care so that we preserve the third generation, uh, the third lines and the second line so that we don't get to that level because they are not the best choices. Mm-hmm. How will a person know that they have, they are experiencing antimicrobial resistance? Can you tell when you're unwell or do you necessarily have to go to the hospital, hospital so that you can be told that you have resistance? Thank you. That is another very important question. How do you tell? You tell by recurrent infections. Let me pick an example for urinary tract infection. If you are being treated for UTI, uh, after one week you feel you are okay, then after a few days it comes back. You go treat, it goes, then it comes back. You see, that is how we suspect that there is a treatment failure. So when there is a treatment failure, then you suspect that there is resistance and we advise uh, patients that you go to a hospital where your sample will be taken to the lab and then we establish whether actually that resistance exists or not. Mm-hmm. When we had COVID, we saw people using a lot of antibiotics to treat it. And, uh, you know, we all were told and we all know that COVID is a viral infection. So what what was happening at that time? And uh, did we experience some kind of uh, antimicrobial resistance cropping up in the population? And how do we solve this now? Thank you again. An important question. During COVID, it was a new disease little information was available, everyone was running up and down. So there was a lot of antibiotic misuse, and especially when it came to use of azithromycin. Azithromycin, we mainly use it for management of upper respiratory tract infections, and sometimes even lower, when it is suspected that uh, you have bacterial infection, especially for uh, sinusitis, uh, pharyngitis, and all that. So people were used to using astromycin to manage those uh, uh, URTIs. So when um, COVID-19 came, then people assumed that we can still make use of this uh, astromycin to manage uh, the respiratory infection. Remember, COVID-19 was a respiratory infection. So that was the first line of defense, but it never helped. It had no role. So we suspect that probably going forward, we may have we may start seeing people not responding to azithromycin, especially when having now confirmed uh, uh, upper or lower respiratory tract infection that uh, we thought we can use uh, azithromycin to treat. So right now we don't have data to say that there is resistance to azithromycin, but maybe in future we may be able to get it. In such a situation, what will be the solution? Because now we people used azithromycin. I have friends, personally, I also used azithromycin when I had COVID the first time. And so what what, what are we going to do now? Because we are, we are already here and maybe we might be experiencing a problem in the future. Thank you. Now that uh, the damage has already been done, there isn't much we can do. But I think the advice is very simple. Any we should, Anytime you feel unwell, 
we should stop this behavior of self-medication. Mm-hmm. You seek services from a health provider and then be guided accordingly. As mothers, we have seen very many mothers going out and self-medicating their children, especially because children are susceptible to frequent colds. Um, so do we also have children experiencing antimicrobial resistance? I think this has been a discussion and in our recent forums, even the current forum we are having, we are discussing MR in children. I think this is an area that has been neglected and people are not talking about it and it is a serious thing and they are the most at risk because their immune system is not well developed number one number two they are the most users of antibiotics especially over the counters and again upper respiratory tract infections are very common in children and and mothers will rush and give amoxyl septine or erythromycin to the children so it is a threat and again as i said Currently, we don't have data on the magnitude of resistance in children. But uh, generally, the data that we have, we may have to stratify adults versus children. But currently, whatever is available is just mainly a resistance in human beings. But going forward, we'll have to stratify and see how much is the resistance, how much children are showing uh, pathogens that have resistance to the common commonly used antibiotics. So who is to blame here? Is it the person that is going over the counter to purchase these antibiotics or is it the pharmacist that is selling these antibiotics to the people? Thank you. So first we have to blame our health-seeking behavior because uh, as I said, anytime you feel your child or yourself is unwell, kindly ensure that uh, you take the child to a healthcare provider so that uh, they can be seen uh, a number of lab uh, test can be run to, to confirm a, a bacterial infection because we are saying that for you to give an antibiotic, there must be evidence of bacterial infection. And that evidence can only be shown when we run a number of tests, whether it is culture, whether it's uh, urinalysis, whether it's uh, full hemogram and all that. The other thing, uh, the other blame we shifted to the regulator because uh, there is mushrooming of drug stores in this country everywhere. Uh, the Pharmacy and Poisons Board has been uh, doing uh, uh, routine inspections and closing of pharmacies, but they need to change strategy so that they come up with a new way of doing it. They close a pharmacy, they go back after two, three days, it is open. So it doesn't help. Number two, uh, again, uh, the dealers in medicines. Uh, again, this is a profession that has been invaded by very many quacks. So before you, you get services, kindly confirm that you are being served by a qualified person, especially the, the mothers who rush to a nearby uh, drugstore. Ensure that you are being served by a qualified person. And for chemists, it is very clear we have what we call the uh, green cross. Any pharmacy that does not have a green cross most likely is being run by an qualified person or a person who has not undergone the normal process of registration and licensing of the premise. All pharmacies that have qualified uh, pharmaceutical technologies and pharmacies have a green cross clearly displayed at the entrance. What does it mean to talk about One Health? Okay, thank you very much. I'll focus on uh, zoonotic infections or diseases. These are diseases that are passed from animals to human beings because of the human-animal interaction, and there are very many. And actually, most of the zoonotic infections are usually 
they come as epidemics or pandemics and affect very many people. So that is, uh, it happens because of our interaction uh, with animals, either by consuming the pro animal products, uh, let's say milk, you can get uh, brucellosis or meat, you can get anthrax and other behavior uh, whereby uh, people come too close to animals and get into contact with the body fluids. So what I'm saying in a nutshell is that uh, one health approach is where we look at AMR in terms of the resistance being caused by the pathogens that affect human beings and at the same time they cause disease in animals. So it means that when it comes to antibiotics, we are going to use the same same antibiotic to treat the infection in the human uh, being as well as in the animal. So chances are that uh, if resistance developed in a human being, it will apply to the animal. Now, how do we bring in environment? We discharge some of these drugs, uh, expired ones from factories, from manufacturers, to sewer system and water bodies. And then, uh, of course, we even use them to water our gardens where we have grown our, our, our vegetables and all that. So that is when now they come into contact with uh, the foodstuffs. In water, it will come into contact with fish, with other uh, animals that we consume. So these animals or the crops, they are again exposed to suboptimal doses, small doses of these drugs, the likes of tetracyclines, the likes of penicillin, the likes of gentamicin. So when you take this product, then you are being slowly exposed to small amounts of these drugs. And then the bacteria that probably have in your body again also gets exposed. And then that is how it is able to uh, modify its uh, genetic makeup to become resistant. So that is what happens. Now, if you transmit that bacteria to another person, it means he's going to get the genes uh, of a strain that is already resistant. So that is how it happens. And that's why we talking about one health approach that as we tackle the pandemic, this silent pandemic of AMR, we should bring on board people from the animal sector, the human sector, the environment, and even the crop sector, so that we have a multi-sectoral approach and discuss on how all of us in our different areas of practice, we are going to minimize uh, the spread of AMR. And we also reduce the consumption of uh, antibiotics. Remember in animal health and in group health, they use these antibiotics in terms of kilograms. Unlike in humans where we use milligrams and small grams. So kilograms and tons, it means they are pumping a lot of these products into the ecosystem. And that is where now we have a biggest problem. So in a nutshell, we need to reduce the amount of antibiotics that we are using in animal health and group health. And this one can be done through preventive mechanisms so that in our practice we do more of the vaccination of these animals so that they don't fall sick and eventually of course we'll use very few antibiotics when their animals are fully vaccinated. So it means that you may not be really uh, misusing or uh, taking too much antibiotics as, as a drug to cure some kind of illness but you can still get antimicrobial resistance by eating something like meat or uh, vegetables. Exactly, exactly and that is why uh, AMR is everyone's business. 
it is not the business of healthcare workers it is not the business of veterinary, uh, veterinary people nor the, the farmers it is everyone's business you cannot say that you are going to be left out it's just like the way we had covid-19 it was everyone's business no one was safe so it is the same thing with the amr whether you are you you are a farmer you are a health professional you are a businessman it should be you are everyone's business to ensure that we talk amr and handle this silent pandemic yes. when we look at data it shows that african countries do not really take a lot of antibiotics but we are experiencing a lot of antimicrobial resistance why is this so Uh, I may not be sure whether it is true that African countries we are not using a lot of antibiotics because of uh, the way we document poor documentation because most of the, the data that is available is gotten from distributors of drugs on how much they have uh, sold or imported but there is also local manufacturing and there are also drugs that get into the country through other means so Uh, I'm not very sure whether we are saying that in Africa we use little antibiotics but again the question is the burden of infectious diseases is highest in Africa so to me we are still using a lot of antibiotics and even if we are using less we are still at risk because the burden of infectious diseases what we call uh, communicable diseases is very high in Africa to call talk about pneumonia HIV TB malaria and all that and uh, for for instance if i pick uh, tuberculosis in fact most of the mdr patients in this uh, uh, in the world that are in the in africa and, and 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 india majority of patients who have mdr tb are in africa and india these poor countries so we are using a lot of antibiotics is only that in the west vaccination has improved and it has helped to reduce the number of uh, antibiotics being consumed when we talk about mdr tb explain it in a simpler term that people can understand w- what is mdr tb mdr tb is multidrug resistance tuberculosis so it happens when uh, you res- the patient does not respond to the first line uh, treatment uh, that we use for tb requiring that you'll be given uh, more drugs mostly injectables either for a short course or a long course but we are the current guidelines we have is that we are using short course treatment the problem with the mdr tb is that you one you'll use expensive drugs and they're very very toxic that is a risk number two, the risk is that there is a high likelihood that if you're having mdr tb and you're not being treated you are going to transmit it to very many other people So you can imagine you get TB at the first time and it is MDR meaning that if you are put on the first line treatment you are not going to respond until they shift to second line so that's the meaning of MDR TB again you can be on treatment uh, under the normal uh, the normal TB what we call pulmonary TB but in the course of treatment you develop resistance then you turn from normal pulmonary tuberculosis to MDR and again an mdr uh, tb patient can actually again develop resistance in the course of treatment and then turn to an xdr tb patient xdr simply means extensive drug resistance uh, tuberculosis mm. yes so now that we are here and we are discussing antimicrobial resistance and uh, this is the situation that we are looking at right now what is the solution to this the solution is for governments to invest in amr surveillance 
so that as a region, as a country, Kenya and as Africa, we have data on the burden of MR. Currently, we are struggling to quantify the burden of MR. And by the burden, I mean the economic burden in terms of shillings. What are we losing in terms of uh, economic value because of MR? The burden of MR, how much uh, in terms of deaths, how in terms of mortality, how much uh, deaths are we documenting that are due to MR, both in uh, human health and animal health? But the most important thing is that what is the economic uh, value or impact of MR? So we need that data. And again, we need surveillance in terms of the circulating pathogens. Every region has the common uh, pathogens that are causing resistance. We need to know what are the common ones. Because the moment we know the common pathogens that are circulating and the resistant pattern, we are able to plan accordingly and see how to tackle. Otherwise, it is very difficult to just work in an environment where you don't know what you are fighting. It's just like you are fighting in the dark and you don't know who the enemy is. So we need data. The data in terms of the burden of MR, economic burden, the healthcare burden, in terms of the cost of hospitalization, the length of stay, and, uh, and all that. Is there anything else, Doctor, that you might want to add on to AMR? Yes, my parting shot is that let us handle antibiotics with care. Thank you very much, Doctor, for that very insightful discussion on antimicrobial resistance. And as we always say in this podcast, prevention is better than cure. And there you have it. That is uh, what we had for today on the A to Z of Disease Podcast with me, Rose Mokonyo. Be sure to catch me next time, same place, for another insightful discussion. The A to Z of Disease Podcast.